I feel like a tidy office is a tidy mind, and I would like my classroom to be the same. Y'all, that is what somebody recently told me when they joined the Simply Organized teacher community, and I agree wholeheartedly. So in an effort to keep our classrooms, well, to get them organized and to keep them organized and keep them tidy, we're going to be talking about some organization strategies for digital learning. Hey, teacher friend, welcome to the Simply Teach podcast, a podcast for teachers by teachers. I'm your host, Kelly Jackson. And each week I bring you a podcast full of practical and helpful ideas from teachers. We all know that teaching is really hard work. And I want this podcast to be a place for you to not only find ideas, but to also find encouragement and motivation. Hey there, teachers, and welcome to episode number 85, a Q&A episode where I am going to answer your questions. These are really fun for me because it gets me to put on like my teaching hat back on and think about how I would be handling things in the classroom if I was in it right now. Head back to episode number 73, though, if you want to hear the last round of questions that I answered on the podcast. Also, if you want to join in on the Simply Organized Teacher community and get weekly organization tips straight to your inbox, then be sure to head to the simplyorganizedteacher.com forward slash email to sign up. I send out weekly emails every Wednesday to everybody on my email list with some sort of organization or management related tip. And then also I send out on Mondays, a Monday Funday email. And this is actually like my most favorite thing I think I do in the Simply Organized Teacher because I just send out an email every Monday of things that I'm loving, products that I'm using, products that I'm buying, things that I want you to know about. Sometimes it's even just an extra organization tip. So be sure to sign up if you want to get in on that. Also, don't forget the classroom paper organization course is now open for enrollment. And I've been so excited watching all the teachers join. If you are wanting to get your papers in order so you can stop stressing about where a paper is and always know where to put papers whenever they come into your classroom, then be sure to head to the simplyorganizedteacher.com forward slash paper course to enroll. So like I said, today is an episode all on answering your questions. If you have a question that you want to ask, don't hesitate to email me. I'll do my best to answer it as quickly and efficiently as I can, or maybe put it on another Q&A episode. But without further ado, here are the questions that y'all have asked me most recently. All right, you guys, I have seven different questions today that teachers have asked me in the last couple of weeks, couple of months, and we're just going to start and dive right in. So this first question is from Angela, and she says that she has started doing inclusion this year at her high school, and this is the first time it has ever been done there. She's in six different classes, and she wants to know what is the best way to keep up with all of the classes, all of the students, all of the lessons that are being taught, who's behind, who needs help. And basically just like general progress of where students are. So I'm assuming that, Angela, you are a SPED teacher and you are going into the classrooms. That is just like what I'm assuming based on the question that you sent me. So the first thing I would say is go back to last week's episode number 84 with Brandy Rosen. She is a special education teacher and she comes on and talks all about organizing for your students that are in the SPED program. But what I would say for organizing all of that information is I think the simplest thing you could do is just a Google sheet with a tab for each of the six classes that you're going into. And then within each tab, have a row for each student and you know their name. And then in the columns going out, I would 
have it have a column for each day that you're in the classroom or each day of the week or whatever is going to work for you and add notes daily to what's happening in the classroom. So if you're talking about like, you know, what lessons are being taught, you can write notes about what they're struggling with. I would also try and implement some kind of color coding system if you're using the Google Sheets. That way you can easily identify like, okay, red means they're really struggling with this concept. Or yellow, they're on track, or maybe they're missing something, but they're doing okay. Green means they're doing well, they've turned in all their stuff, whatever. So that way you can visually see where a student is. You could also, of course, do this with a notebook sectioned out by class. I would do the same kind of thing, um, a notebook that has different sections for each class and then maybe a page for each student or however you want to divide it up. But some kind of system where you can house all of your notes, because remember, everything I talk about in organization is all about giving a home to things. So make sure that you have some kind of a home for all of your data. And then the second thing you need to do is you need to create a routine for checking this document daily, whether it's at the beginning of each day, you set aside 10 minutes to just quickly skim yesterday's notes or this past week's notes, and then a routine for at the end of each day or each class, you're going in and filling it out with today's information, the most up-to-date information. All right, question number two is the question I get asked all the time about paper and where to put things. So back to what I just said, everything needs a home, including your papers. In the classroom paper organization course, I walk you through the steps that you need to go through and sort your papers out so that you can figure out the exact homes that you need, right? Because if you don't know what homes you need, then you don't know what homes you need to create in your classroom. I also just recently did two episodes on paper organization, so how to reduce your papers. And then secondly, the best products that you can use to help create those systems and those homes in your classrooms when it comes to papers. So all that information is at the simplyorganizedteacher.com forward slash paper course to jump in and join in on the course. But episodes I believe they are 82 and 83 are all on classroom organization with papers. So go back and check those out. Question number three comes from somebody. I don't have a name for this person because they asked this question whenever they joined in on the Simply Organized Teacher email list. And I'm asking like, what is your biggest struggle when it comes to teaching? And this teacher says, knowing what to keep and knowing what to throw away. And I know that this is a really hard topic because... We always want to hang on to things like just in case I might need it later on or down the road, right? But what I encourage teachers to do is to really ask yourself, have I used it in the last year? Did you even remember that you had it before you came across it? Because if not, get rid of it, especially when it comes to papers. If it's something you can print out again, then I would say if it's not if it's not something that you know you're going to use within the next couple of weeks and you know you can print it out again, I would just recycle it or add it to the free draw paper pile. You can go back to episode 82 where I talk about the free draw paper pile and how you can uh, reuse papers in that pile. But anyways, don't be afraid to throw things away or get rid of them. I was on Instagram the other night. I, I don't know where I saw this. I don't know whose account I saw it on. I wish I did so I could go back and find it. So I also don't know how true this is because I don't know this person that posted it, but it was something about organization. And she had said that there are enough storage units in the U.S. that every American person could stand in a different storage unit at the exact same time because we have that many storage units and that many people storing stuff in the U.S. We are hoarders, y'all. We are afraid to get rid of stuff because we're afraid that we might need it someday down the road. And nine times out of 10, you don't. We're just adding by hanging on to all this extra clutter, whether it's in our houses or in our classrooms, we are adding to the physical and mental clutter in those spaces. 
I really like to listen to the A to B podcast with Autumn and Bethany. They've been on my podcast before. I think it was episode number 34. I can't exactly remember. But Autumn and Bethany are two friends, and Autumn is a professional organizer. Bethany is a classroom teacher, and they talk about organization. And what I like about it is Autumn is super type A, like me, very organized structure. Bethany is very type B and not as organized, not as structured. So a lot of times on their podcast, Autumn is coaching Bethany through how to organize something or how to handle something better. And Bethany is pushing back and saying like, wait, I don't like that much much structure. Like I want to do things, you know, I don't want things that organized. And anyways, all that to say, I really enjoy their podcast. And Autumn has said something on a few recent episodes that I really it really resonated with me. She says that if we're afraid to throw things away because we might use them one day, but it's sitting in a cabinet or sitting in a closet somewhere not being used, when you get rid of it or you donate it, it allows it to be used by somebody who will actually use it. Sometimes we we get things and we think that by getting rid of them, we are letting that item down because we're not using it and we're getting rid of it. But We're also letting that item down if we just hang on to it and never use it instead of giving it to somebody who could. So I say this all the time. Don't be afraid to get rid of things. It causes so many fights in my marriage. Actually, not fights, but it causes so much tension in my marriage. At least it did at the beginning because I would just like get rid of stuff. And Cody was like, wait, don't get rid of that. So I know that you can't get rid of everything, but just really try to think through Is this something that I'm going to use in my classroom that is necessary to take up space in my classroom? Have I used it in the past year? A lot of times we we find something, we forget we have it. So we say, ah, I'm going to hang on to it for next year. And then next year rolls around and we do the same thing over and over. So if you didn't even remember that you had it, I would say go ahead and get rid of it, donate it, do something with it that involves it leaving your classroom. All right, number four, the... Next question we're going to talk about is Google Classroom and how to keep it organized. Because organization is key whenever it comes to your online digital stuff, right? I talk all about organizing your classroom, but organizing your digital stuff is just as important because if you can't find something on your computer, then you're SOL, right? If you go back and listen to episode number five with Courtney Talley, she talks about Google in the classroom. She, I worked uh, on campus with her, and she was like our campus Google one of our campus Google gurus. So go back and listen to that episode. She talks about some ways you can use Google in the classroom. I've also got a free online course called Working From Home Teacher Edition. And inside that course, there's three different modules. The first, I started this course back when we switched to remote learning, like within, you know, one day we were at school and the next day everybody was teaching from home. So in that course, I talk about how to structure your day, how to organize your teaching and how to organize your classroom from home. Two things that I want you, like two reasons I'm telling you this is the second module is all about organizing your teaching. So we talk about how to organize your lesson planning, how to organize your Google Drive, how to, uh, some online teaching tips, and then how to create a resource document for your students and for your parents and for your classroom. Then there's also another section, I think it's the third module, about organizing your classroom from home. So organizing things like your email and your computer files. So if that is something that is important to you that you want to do, then head to the simplyorganizedteacher.com forward slash online dash teaching. Uh, of course, the link will be in the show notes. And you can sign up for that course and go through it and get some organization to your digital classroom. I also want to point you in the direction of two teachers in the online space that have some really great videos on organizing and using 
Google and Google Classroom. So the first one I want to tell you about is new EdTech Classroom. His name is Sam, and he has a lot of videos on how to incorporate technology into your classroom, but he also has a playlist of 45 videos simply on teaching remotely. He's got one on how to make Google Slides into HyperDoc, some of the must-have Google Chrome extensions that you need, a Google Classroom tutorial. This is for 2019, but I'm sure a lot of it could still be applied for 2020. The second is Shanna from Hello Teacher Lady. On That's also her YouTube and her Instagram. And she's got some videos on how to efficiently use Google Sheets and how to organize all that, a whole playlist on Google for education, tips and tricks and all sorts of stuff there. So I would suggest you go and follow both of those people on YouTube. And the best thing about YouTube is like, go to the main search bar on YouTube, search hello teacher lady, she'll come up. And then there's underneath inside her actual YouTube channel, there's a search bar where you can type in. I mean, that's literally what I did. I typed in like Google organization and all these videos came up that are hers that she talks about. Same thing for Sam and the new EdTech classroom. So go be sure to check out both of those people. I want to interrupt this episode for just a second to make sure that you know about the Organize Your Classroom Papers course that is now available. For years, teachers have been telling me how much they struggle with organizing all the papers in and around their classrooms. Teachers want to know what to do with all the papers that they have for multiple classes that they teach, or what to do with the papers that someone gives you thinking that you might want it when in fact, you very much do not want it, or how to handle grading all of the papers and what to do with all those papers when you're done with them. I get it. As teachers, we have a ton of papers to deal with. The goal of the Organize Your Classroom Papers course is to help you sift through, clean out, and organize all of your papers so that you can stop spending so much time trying to remember where you put that copy or having your class get involved in looking for those materials that you just misplaced. You can get access to the course by heading to the simplyorganizedteacher.com forward slash paper course. Inside this course, we're also gonna be talking about how to organize your filing cabinets, your digital files, your lesson plan materials, basically any kind of paper material that you have, I'm gonna show you practical ways that you can organize and systemize those papers. In less than 40 minutes, I'll teach you how to clean out, organize, and systemize the papers inside your classroom so that you can get rid of some of that clutter that I know is causing you so much stress. That's the simplyorganizedteacher.com forward slash paper course to get access to the course today. The simplyorganizedteacher.com forward slash paper course. Now back to the show. Okay, next up is a question from Madison, and she is currently in school for teaching. So she's not in the classroom yet, but I wanted to include her question because she asked a few really good questions. Um, She said that she wants to know about my opinion on fidgets that are safe for the classroom, that are non-disruptive. And so she has three questions. I guess I'll go, I'll ask them and answer them individually. So first question, fidgets that are safe for the classroom, non-disruptive. What do you think about those? I think they are great. I think they are necessary. As teachers, our job is to create spaces for all of our students to succeed and expecting all of our students to learn by sitting on the carpet or sitting in desk, I think is just really unfair to our kids. I had a kid in my first year of teaching who, and I should I should actually first preface this by saying, I didn't think that when I first came into the classroom, not because I, not because I, I didn't care about, you know, my kids that had different abilities and the, the needs that they had. I think it's just, when you come into the classroom, you are a lot of times coming in with your experience, right? And I didn't have an experience in the classroom where 
learning was necessarily a challenge for me. So that wasn't a frame of reference in which I was thinking about my own kids. But in my first year, I had a kid who just would not sit still ever and was constantly moving around and being disruptive to me, being disruptive to the other kids. And it took my mentor teacher coming in and saying like, hey, this kid has, he needs to move around. That's okay. So we ended up giving that student a a taped out like a area in the back of the classroom that whenever I was teaching, he would be at the back of the classroom so that he wasn't distracting the other kids. And basically the rule was like, Anytime you need, go stand in that spot, move, just don't move out of that, you know, that spot that we taped out for you. And because it was in the back of the classroom, it was not something that was necessarily distracting to all the other kids. Of course, you have to have conversations about, you know, uh, when it's appropriate to use it and when it's not appropriate to use it. And if you're using it inappropriately, then you're going to lose that, all those things. But I think that a fidget or allowing kids to move around the classroom is really important and really helpful for our kids. All right, her next question is how to encourage students with disabilities while not singling them out. And I think this is really important. And I'll share a story again from my first year of teaching. I had a kid who was in, he like left the classroom a couple times a day to go receive support um, in the in the SPED classroom and or the resource classroom, that's what we called it. Anyways, we were on a field trip And my alarm went off for him. Like I had an alarm on my phone, you know, that went off every day at one o'clock for him to go. And I'm so embarrassed to like share this story. But the alarm went off and we were just getting on the bus to head back to school from the field trip. And I was like, hey, blah, 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 your name. My alarm's going off. It's time for you to go. Ha ha. Like I was trying to make a joke. And as soon as I said it, I like, you know, when you like word vomit and you just want to like put the words back in your mouth, I realized like I had just called that kid out. I don't even know if any other kids heard it. He heard it and I heard what I said. And so I think it's just having to simply make the choice to treat that student as equally as possible. And in that situation, I did not do that. So when it comes to treating your kids with disabilities and not singling them out, I I think, yeah, it's just making a choice to treat them as equally as possible. Meaning when you're passing out papers, instead of saying, oh, I'm going to hang on to this paper and give it to this kid last because I need to go over the modifications or you know whatever accommodations I'm giving them with that student. Pass them all out at one time. Maybe the accommodations or the questions that they have to answer are already circled on there for them so they are a part of the class. I think another really great way to have students feel included in the classroom and not singled out is by having students work in cooperative groupings. That way they are getting support from their peers instead of you, which I think can help them feel less singled out. Also things to think about whenever you're calling kids to your small group table, are you always calling the same three or four kids that are the most struggling kids to your small group table to help them when there's independent work? Because I think that is a way, even though there's a group of them, that is a way that you could be singling them out. So maybe instead of calling kids to your desk all the time. Maybe you go to them and you work with their table. So it seems more like you're working with the table, but you were there because of that student. Or you're calling different groupings of kids to your table at all the at all times to your small group table. So that way you are making uh, different groups and that kid is constantly working with different students at your small group table. 
I hope that makes sense. I did not like write out this answer in a super fleshed out way. So I'm just kind of rambling. Um, so let's move on to her last question. She wants to know any tips you have for students who are going to school for teaching. Uh, what are some things that you found helpful while you were in school, college, university, whatever? Um, so here's what I would say. The first thing is to keep a binder of examples that you're getting from your different classes that have you inside the classroom. So any of your practical practical classes, you know, where you're going in and observing, have a binder where you are saving those things, taking, you know, if you're taking pictures, print them off and put them in this binder or create some kind of organization tool on your phone with those pictures so that you have a reference point when you start teaching. Secondly, I would make sure that you have a detailed plan for the start of school. I've got an episode number of 50? No, no, no. I'm sorry. Number 49, 10 things you can do to prepare for the new school year. And this has all the things that you're going to need for that first few, those first few days of school. So go check that out. And then also when it comes to having a detailed plan inside the organized teacher framework, my course, I show teachers how to do this. I walk you through all the things that you're going to need in place in your classroom for that first day of school. So make sure that you're on my email list. So that way, the next time I open up the course, you can get in on it. And then lastly, I want to finish off her last question with a few episodes on being a pre-service or first-year teacher that are already on the podcast, but kind of way back. So you might not find them very easily. First up is number 16. This is an interview with my friend Brittany. She was, it was just after her first year of teaching going into her second year of teaching. So you can check out episode number 16. Like I said, episode number 49, 10 things you can do right now to prepare for the new school year. Episode number 50 is advice for new and student teachers. And then 58 is tips for pre-service teachers with Dr. Sam Fesich. And she is a professor at a university for people going to school for teaching. So I would check out her podcast. I did an interview on her podcast and I would check out her website. She's also got a book that might be helpful to you while you are still in college or still in university for becoming a teacher. All right, next up, Talitha asked if I have any tips on how to organize a class set of Chromebooks. So I think there's no way to do this like in a really simple way because a class set is a lot of Chromebooks. First thing I would say is to number them and assign them so that students know which is theirs and which ones they're responsible for. On this question inside the Simply Organized Teacher Facebook group, when Talitha posted it, another teacher commented and she said to go check out a primary kind of life on Instagram. So I did. And I found the picture where she shows how she color coded her Chromebook cart. I'll link to that in the show notes because I had to scroll way back. So I'll link to it in the show notes if you want to check it out. If you don't have a cart for your classroom, then I would recommend getting some kind of file organizer type thing. I found one at Amazon. I'll link to it in the show notes, but it allows, it has slots that would allow for six or seven Chromebooks or iPads or whatever to sit in them. And this could be a great charging station, docking station. And then the rest are just stacked elsewhere when they're not being charged. I'll link to that, um, a picture of that. And then I even just got on Pinterest and I saw a picture of a dish drying rack that a teacher had put Chromebooks and iPads in like the little slots where you put plates for Chromebooks. So I think that's a great idea as well. All right. And then the last question I want to talk about is one that I have not been asked personally, but I've seen this in a lot of the education Facebook groups that I'm a part of, and it's about students not showing up to online classes. So first I want to say that I know that you are working so hard to get your kids there and you're sending emails and you are doing everything you can 
I think the best thing that you can do for students not showing up to your online meetings is to call students individually. Sending class emails or reminder emails before the call, it just might not do it with all of your kids. Like one thing I heard on a podcast somewhere that that really caused me to think, oh, wow, I never thought about it before like that. Is that student not showing up or not turning on their videos simply because they're embarrassed of their home? Is it too loud? Are there people running around? Is it a mess? I think that if you took the time to call a student and have a one-on-one conversation with them, that you would come to a conclusion that would work for both you and the student. But I think there might be some miscommunication going on about why a student isn't showing up to the call. And so I think taking time to have that conversation with them will help you come up with some ways that you can work with them to either get them to show up or some alternatives to get them the information that they need. Also, these are just, again, like I said at the beginning of the episode, this has been fun for me to like put on my teacher hat and think about what I would do. So is there some kind of fun incentive that you can use to get them to show up to the meeting? So please don't uh, tie like grades or um, any kind of like attendance or grades or anything with a kid showing up to the meeting. I don't think that is healthy or fair or right. But what kind of fun incentive can you do? So maybe... Each day at the end of the week or at the end of the lesson, you do some kind of fun community building activity that the kids actually want to participate in. So have them select the things, have a class meeting about what it is that they would want to do. Maybe it's a joke a day. Each day a kid tells a different joke at the end of the lesson. Or, okay, (laughs) this is so nerdy, but what about Tuesdays? You do teacher tour Tuesday. And if you are at your home or you're in your classroom and your kids aren't there, can you show them a behind the scenes look at your house or your, you know, an area in the classroom that they don't normally get to see. I know some people might be like, no, I'm not showing them my house. And I I get that. But like, can you show them where your dogs sleep? Like, I'm not saying walk them around your whole house, but can you show them where your dogs sleep? Or can you say like, look, these are the three snacks I'm eating the most that are in my pantry. I know that 14 year old Kelly, if I was in an online class and I knew that by showing up, I would get to see some like behind the scenes, something about my teacher, it would really motivate me to show up and be there. Also, just is there time in your online classes for kids to just get on and talk? Think about like when they're coming in to class when before the bell rings or um, like in between lessons, they're able to talk with each other. Do they have that option right now? If not, give them some time to log in and First five minutes or last five minutes is just free talk time with each other. I'll link to a post from Allie at the Gypsy Teacher. She had a post all on ways to build community in the classroom during distance learning. So I'll post that because she had some great ideas that I think you would enjoy. So there you have it. Seven questions all on organization, uh, digital learning, all to help you because y'all, I know right now it's a really hard time for teachers and I applaud y'all every single day. You are doing the hard work right now and I know that it feels unnoticed most days because I know that that is how a lot of times I felt when I was in the classroom, but I just want you to know that I see the amazing work you are doing as a whole and I'm so proud to be a part of the education community. Don't forget to sign up for my email list if you went in on weekly organization tips sent straight to your inbox. You guys, y'all have a great week. I'll see you back here next week when we talk about classroom party ideas. Until then, stay safe and stay healthy. I'll talk to you soon.
Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Simply Teach. If you enjoyed it, I'd be so grateful to have you share it over on social media and tag me at the Simply Organized Teacher, or you can head to wherever you are listening to this podcast right now and subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. This episode was edited by the team over at Podcastology. Remember all the show notes, links to things we talked about, classroom organization resources, and all of the courses can be found over on my website, thesimplyorganizedteacher.com. Make sure to join my email list and get weekly organization tips straight to your inbox by heading to thesimplyorganizedteacher.com slash email. Y'all have a great week.